Hello, survivalists. Welcome back to the Crux True Survival Stories. I am your host, Casey McIntosh. Today, I'm doing a solo episode. We're going to be embarking on an adrenaline-fueled journey into the thrilling world of skydiving. As we delve into the heart-stopping realm of free-falling sports, prepare to experience the exhilarating risk and heart-pounding thrills that define this daring pursuit. In the realm of extreme sports, skydiving is the ultimate test of courage. With each leap from a plane, participants defy gravity and teeter on the edge of danger, showcasing a profound connection to the skies above. Throughout this episode, we'll explore the highs and lows of skydiving from the adrenaline-fueled rush of jumping out of a plane to the serene beauty of soaring through the skies. Join me as we uncover tales of survival, tragedy, and the indomitable spirit of those who dare to take the leap into the unknown. As a disclaimer, I must note that I do not have firsthand experience with skydiving, but I did have a memorable tandem paragliding experience in Lima, Peru, and I was actually pregnant at the time, but didn't know it. That was a really cool experience. It helped me understand why people are interested in doing this in the first place. So fasten your seatbelts and prepare for an adventure-filled episode that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Are you ready to dive into the exhilarating world of skydiving? Let's take the leap together. And let's take the leap together and uncover the incredible stories that await us in this adrenaline-charged realm. So as we're preparing to explore the exhilarating world of skydiving, it's really interesting to reflect on how humanity's journey into the skies began. From ancient myths to groundbreaking and from ancient myths to groundbreaking inventions, the dream of flight has captivated the human imagination for centuries. We're going to take a step back in time and uncover the remarkable evolution of human flight and the pioneering visionaries who dared to defy gravity. Throughout history, mankind has harbored a deep-seated desire to defy gravity and take to the skies. From the ancient myth of Icarus to the pioneering visions of Leonardo da Vinci. Now picture this. Long before airplanes streaked across the sky and adrenaline junkies soared through the air with wingsuits, there was a story of legend has it that Icarus and his father, Daedalus, were imprisoned on the island of Crete and in a daring bid for freedom, they crafted wings made of feathers and wax. Daedalus warned his son not to fly too close to the sun, but let's just say that Icarus got a little too carried away. His wings melted and he came crashing down to earth, which was meant to be, I believe, a timeless cautionary tale about reaching too high and having too much confidence. Fast forward to the Renaissance, a time of great innovation and discovery. Enter Leonardo da Vinci, the ultimate Renaissance man. This guy was absolutely brilliant and he was way ahead of his time. He was dreaming up all sorts of wild inventions and contraptions. But what really set Leonardo apart was his obsession with flight. He sketched out designs for flying machines, ornithopters, gliders, you name it. He even had a crazy idea for a human-powered flying machine that flapped its wings like a bird. But Leonardo wasn't only a dreamer. He was also a visionary, uh, you know, secondary to his dreams about flying. He also laid the groundwork for modern science and engineering and was interested in anatomical studies and hydraulic engineering. So it wasn't until the early 20th century that the dream of human flight began to take some tangible form. In December 1903, 
two brothers from Dayton, Ohio, Wilbur and Orville, right, achieved the seemingly impossible powered flight. With their groundbreaking aircraft, the Wright Flyer, they made history at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, ushering in a new era of human achievement. Their monumental achievement paved the way for advancements in aviation technology. And within a few short decades, commercial air travel became a reality. In 1914, the first scheduled commercial flight took off from St. Petersburg, Florida, destined for Tampa, marking the dawn of a new era in transportation. I cannot even imagine what it must have felt like to be one of those first passengers on that aircraft. Very exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Some people probably still feel that way when they get on an airplane. Since then, aviation has evolved at an astonishing pace, with aircrafts becoming faster and safer and more sophisticated. From the iconic Boeing 747 to the cutting-edge Airbus A380, commercial airliners now crisscross the globe, connecting distant corners of the world in a matter of hours. But amidst the marvels of modern aviation, the spirit of adventure and exploration still thrives. For some, the allure of free-falling sports offers a more intimate and exhilarating way to experience freedom of flight. Whether it's plummeting from the heavens in a skydive, gliding gracefully on a paraglider, or daring death-defying leaps in base jumping, these adrenaline-fueled pursuits embody humanity's eternal quest to reach for the skies. As we delve into the world of free-falling sports, let's not forget the pioneers and visionaries who dared to dream the flight and forever change the course of human history. I wonder what they would be thinking if they could see what we're able to do now. Since we've kind of touched base on the history of flight and evolution of parachuting, let's get into the world of skydiving. Skydiving has ancient origins, and from the ancient origins to modern-day adventures, skydiving has captured the hearts and imaginations of thrill-seekers everywhere. It's a sport that many of you are familiar with, and many of you have likely done this. But the history goes back maybe longer than you would have expected. A parachute is essentially a device that's used to slow motion of an object to the earth. Parachute means against the fall. They were once made of silk, but are now made of woven nylon. In ancient China during the 10th century, people attempted a form of parachuting called base diving by jumping from elevated points like cliffs using a rigid parasol to descend, hopefully safely. I don't know if we have any accounts of how many of these people actually made it. Leonardo da Vinci sketched a conical parachute design around 1470, which was inspired by an earlier Italian manuscript, but there's no evidence that it was actually used. That was developed to try to rescue people from burning buildings so they would have some other means of getting out. There was a man named Faust Voronsic or Voronzio, maybe that was his nickname. He tested a parachute-like device in 1617, and he based that on da Vinci's sketches. The modern parachute was invented by Louis Sebastian Lenormand in France in 1783, and that one was made of folded silk because it was more compact than the previous ones and more durable. Jean-Pierre Blanchard later demonstrated its use and its safety by jumping out of hot air balloons, which I guess was probably the second form of base jumping that ever was done, second to the Chinese jumping from cliffs with their parasols. In the late 19th century, Kathy 
Paulus gained fame for skydiving in Germany. In 1885, Thomas Scott Baldwin performed the first parachute descent from a hot air balloon in the U.S. In 1911, Grant Morton made the first parachute jump from an airplane in Venice Beach, California, followed by the invention of knapsack parachute by Gleb Kotenlikov. The first packed-style parachute jump from a moving aircraft was made by U.S. Army Captain Albert Berry in 1912. And in 1913, Stefan Bannock patented the first actively used parachute. And Georgia Broadwick, also known as Tiny, became the first woman to parachute from a moving aircraft over L.A. in 1913. So now we're going to shift our focus onto a more personal narrative. This is a pretty crazy story. Jordan Hatmaker, she had a journey into the exhilarating world of skydiving. And despite her experience and training, Jordan had a fateful jump that took a harrowing turn when her parachute failed to deploy correctly, which resulted in a life-threatening crash. It was November 14, 2021, and Jordan Hatmaker was going skydiving in Suffolk, Virginia. The weather was great for skydiving, low winds, it was sunny. Jordan had jumped 14 times before but wasn't licensed, but on this day she was going to do her first novice solo jump. At 1.30 in the afternoon, as she went up in the plane, she and her coach went through all of the safety procedures, including pointing from the plane door to the drop zone or the landing zone, which was 4,100 meters below. Jordan jumped out of the plane first, followed by her coach. They were in free fall, pulling down towards the earth at 200 kilometers an hour, descending 300 meters every five seconds. At 1,200 meters, she deployed her pilot chute, which is a small chute that extracts the larger chute. And after her main chute inflated, she enjoyed a peaceful descent as she made her way towards the ground in a gentle floating motion. At that point, she had the feeling of invincibility and just elation. Jordan and the group went back up in the plane for jump two. The group was having a great time in the plane. They were laughing. They were joking. But they were also going through their safety procedures, and they would do this every single time that they jumped. Jordan and her coach jumped again. After falling for about 30 seconds and covering a distance of 1,680 meters, Jordan and her coach started to create separation between themselves to make sure they had ample space for parachute deployment. However, as Jordan glanced at her altimeter, she was taken aback to find herself lower than she expected. The realization struck her with a sense of urgency, knowing that she needed to deploy her chute by 1,200 meters. She was feeling rushed and unprepared, and her attempt to stabilize her body position faltered, leading to a critical error. With a swift motion, she activated her parachute just to watch in horror as it entangled around her right leg, leaving her suspended mid-air with the main chute failing to deploy with her other chute wrapped around her leg, just going insanely fast toward the ground. In the midst of chaos, Jordan fought to maintain her composure, and she tried to extricate herself from this tangled mess. The ground was rapidly approaching, and she braced herself for impact, clinging to a glimmer of hope that the outcome would be as catastrophic as it could be. She had the thought, well, I'm, hopefully all it is is a broken leg. Then in a sudden twist of fate, the reserve parachute sprung open, and that offered a fleeting sense of control. 
and Jordan was actually able at that point to steer herself slowly towards a patch of grass. And she was praying for a softer landing. For a brief moment, it seemed like she was going to recover and it was going to be okay. Yet, just as hope flickered on the horizon, tragedy struck once more as the main chute unexpectedly released, setting off a tumultuous tug of war between these two parachutes. With each passing second, Jordan's descent accelerated, hurling her towards the unforgiving ground below, mere moments away from impact. When she hit the ground, she felt immediate pain and she was not able to get up. She wasn't able to move anything below her waist. She was lying on the grass with her arms at her side, screaming for help, praying that she wasn't paralyzed. She was face first in the grass for at least five minutes before any of her skydiving team members arrived. And they surrounded her to give her support, but they didn't want to move her because they were worried about spinal cord injury and they were waiting for the paramedics. But Jordan was not understanding that in that moment and continued to yell for help as her pain grew stronger by the minute. An ambulance arrived, but they weren't able to move her into the backcourt due to pain. And shortly thereafter, a helicopter came. They treated her by giving her ketamine and then they transported her to the closest trauma center. Jordan sustained a spinal injury that caused a spinal fluid leak. Also, she had a shattered ankle and a broken shin. In the beginning, no one would let her know she was ever going to walk again, but she was very determined and motivated. And she was able to take her first steps after the crash in February 22. And after some intense physical therapy, she was able to hike up to the Everest base camp. In this article that I read about this incident in Reader's Digest, Jordan said that she planned on eventually skydiving again, but she doesn't want her parents to know, apparently, which I don't blame her at all for that. Skydiving obviously is very thrilling and challenging, but clearly the sport is not without its dangers. As evidenced by historic tragedies. And this is a tragedy I'm going to get into with you guys. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called the Lake Erie Disaster, which is a very sobering chapter in skydiving history. And it had lasting impact on the sport. It's probably one of the most tragic thing that's ever happened in the sport of skydiving. This story actually deserves its own podcast episode, and I'll likely produce that at another time. On August 27, 1967, what was meant to be an exhilarating skydiving adventure turned into a tragic nightmare above Lake Erie. 18 skydivers eagerly leapt from a civilian North American B-25 Mitchell aircraft soaring some 20,000 feet above the lake. However, an error by air traffic control was made, which led the pilot to believe they were over Hornsner Airport, a misunderstanding that would have dire consequences. As the skydivers descended through heavy cloud cover, they remained oblivious to their true location until they broke through the clouds at 4,000 feet. To their horror, they realized that they were over water, far from land. 16 of the skydivers tragically drowned in the lake steps, while only two were rescued by a civilian boat. The Lake Erie disaster marked one of the darkest days in the history of recreational skydiving. Congressional scrutiny ensued, prompting an investigation into the regulations of skydiving activities. The National Transportation Safety Board's report pointed fingers at multiple parties, the pilot, the parachutist, and the air traffic controller. The pilot was criticized for executing the jump through the clouds, which is a violation of Federal Aviation Administration rules. 
Additionally, the air traffic controller's misidentification of the aircraft's position, mistaking it for a Cessna 180 Skywagon there for photography purposes, further increased the confusion. In the aftermath of the disaster, legal proceedings ensued, culminating in the landmark case of Friedman versus United States in 1975. The U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Ohio, found the U.S. liable on the basis for the negligence of the air traffic controller, establishing a precedent that the skydivers themselves were not at fault due to the regulations they violated. Since the skydiving regulations at that time were not designed to protect skydivers, there was no negligence on the part of any of the jumpers. The Lake Erie disaster serves as a reminder of the importance of stringent safety measures and clear communication in the realm of skydiving. It remains a memorable chapter in the history of the sport, which prompted lasting changes in regulations and safety protocols to prevent those kind of tragedies from reoccurring. Skydiving, while exhilarating, involves inherent risks like any other sport. However, the modern equipment and training protocols and safety protocols, the risk of fatalities is pretty low, occurring in less than one per 100,000 jumps, and serious injuries requiring hospitalization in less than two per 10,000 jumps. Compared to other high-risk sports like boxing or surfing, skydiving actually has favorable safety statistics. And what I was thinking is that skiing must have greater risk factors than that. From chatala.com, in Colorado, the ordinary rate of ski accidents requiring at least minimal care is about 2.5 per 1,000 skier visits. Serious injuries requiring at least emergency room are about 1 per 1,000 skier visits, and critical care and deaths are about 0.25 per 1,000 skier visits. So on a typical day at Telluride, there's a total of 1,000 ski guests, and ski patrol could expect to record two to three accidents, which I thought was just interesting to add in there since I'm a skier. In my mind, jumping out of an airplane seems so much riskier than skiing, but maybe that's just because I know how to ski and I've never skydived before, but just flying through the air at such speed seems a little bit terrifying, although maybe someday I'll try it. I was actually scheduled to go skydiving with my sister and my brother and it was coincidentally on my dad's birthday, and he was very opposed to us doing it. He thought some terrifying catastrophe was going to happen if we went. And interestingly enough, right before we were supposed to show up, we got a phone call indicating to us that they were having problems with their airplane. So we ended up getting canceled on that day. The main risks of skydiving typically arise during advanced maneuvers like parachute malfunctions or injuries upon landing, but to reduce these risks, skydiving training emphasizes strict proce procedures, repetitive drills, and the use of automa automatic activation devices, which I had never heard of these, but they're designed as secondary safety measures to mitigate the risk of injury or fatality in the event of a main parachute malfunction. So if you are unconscious or there's some other circumstance that prevents you from deploying the reserve parachute. They're widely used in skydiving, the skydiving community and are considered an essential safety device for high-altitude jumps. Despite safety measures, unexpected incidents obviously can occur. 
leading skydiving professionals to utilize multiple parachutes and conduct regular equipment inspections. Overall, while skydiving entails risks, adherence to safety protocols, advancements in technology are contributing it to making it a reasonably safe activity to do. So anyway, if any of you guys have any stories about skydiving that you would like to share, we would be really interested to talk to you about them. Thank you for joining us on this exhilarating journey through the heart-stopping world of free-falling sports. If you have any stories you'd like to share or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can email us at thecruxtruesurvival at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram at the Crux Podcast. Your support and feedback means the world to us as we continue to bring you tales of survival and adventure. Until next time, stay safe, stay curious, never stop exploring the thrilling possibilities that await beyond the edge. This is Casey McIntosh signing off for the Crux True Survival Stories. Have a wonderful week, everybody.